Hello and welcome to another podcast. It is Coach Mark Manila here from ESL, BusinessEnglishExperts.com and Anish-Impact.com. Those of you who are regular followers of my podcast know that from time to time I speak about a variety of subjects, not just about English as a second language. What I try to do here on the program is provide you with a variety of resources and to help you live your best possible life. And that also includes talking about neurotypical things um, and also atypical things. So atypical means not typical. Okay, um, perhaps we might call it being neurodivergent. And ADHD uh, features in one of those neurodivergent traits. Um, we could also say that if you have a mental health challenge, again, I speak out more freely these days about some of the challenges that I and other of my clients suffer from. Um, and I try to um, paint them in a different light. And other times I just paint it very real. Um, some of the challenges that it can bring to your day to day life. But each and every one of my podcasts is designed to help you improve your knowledge of English, to use higher level advanced words and hopefully inspire you or empower you or give you a different way to try to live your life if you're struggling with any of these particular challenges. So the uh, podcast I did recently about a child or young person with ADHD and what parents and teachers and even you yourself need to know if you're struggling uh, with some of the challenges there um, seemed to get quite a good hit. Um, many people were listening to that one, so I felt that I should carry on with some ADHD podcasts. And um, as somebody myself who suffers slightly from, I would say, aspects of ADHD myself, and um, probably uh, down to the fact of how complex post-traumatic stress disorder has also changed the way that some of the structures of my brain might be functioning, um, yeah, it can. Uh, the neurobiology of trauma is a very real thing. Um, and it's been shown up on MRI scans, and you can read the research about this as well. So ADHD um, can appear um, on its own or with comorbid conditions. So that means in conjunction with other conditions. Um, and sometimes it can be mistaken. So um, some aspects of post-traumatic stress disorder, for example, or OCD, can be mistaken for ADHD and vice versa. So it's really important that you get that diagnosis from someone who's an expert working and understands how these conditions uh, can basically mask each other sometimes or mimic each other. It really depends. Um, I am no expert, but um, I personally obviously struggle with some of these challenges myself. And I, of course, coach and many clients and students um, in the past who have struggled with one or other of these types of conditions. So ADHD is confusing, um, inconsistent and frustrating. Right? And it's quite overwhelming to live with it every day. Um, if you think about it, the actual diagnostic criteria has been around for probably the last 40 years or so. So it can leave some people thinking, do they have it? Do they not? Is it something else, as I've mentioned? So it's really important that, you know, you try and get that help. Now, a great uh, medical doctor, William Dodson, um, wrote about this. So I was fascinated by some of his findings. So I want to discuss some of these today in this podcast. Um, he, along with other practitioners, had been trying to establish a really simple and clear way to understand the impairments of ADHD. So what does it actually do? Um, now, they try to find the key things that define the condition, explaining the source of impairments and giving some directions to what to do about it. And for probably about the last 10 years or so, um, 
he realized that they'd been missing something important about the fundamental nature of ADHD. Now, what does fundamental mean? It means basic, the key, the crucial foundation of all of then this, uh, this work to do with ADHD and the symptoms and what it can do. And when he went back um, to experts on the condition and hundreds of people and families affected, okay, who were diagnosed with it, to confirm his hypothesis. Now, what's his hypothesis? It means his, his hunch, his suspicions, okay? He kind of speculated that he thought he knew what was going on here or some of the typical traits. And he said the goal was to look for the feature that everyone with ADHD has and that neurotypical, so these are people who are kind of, you know, standard neurotypically people. Um, so the majority, you might say, of people um, who don't have ADHD are neurotypical. And he found that, in his opinion, ADHD, the nervous system, is unique, okay? Um, and it has a special kind of creation in itself that regulates attention and emotions in different ways than a nervous system in those without ADHD, to put it simply. Um, so when he spoke to his patients, pretty much almost every single one of them wanted to actually lose the term attention deficit hyperactivity disorder because it describes the opposite of what they experienced, he said, in their lives. It's hard to call something a disorder when it also brings many positives. And this is interesting. That's why I wanted a podcast about this, because we often hear about how ADHD is a challenge, it's a detriment, and I'm not saying it isn't. Um, but it's important to understand that ADHD in itself is not a damaged or defective nervous system. Okay, it's just a nervous system that works well using its own set of rules, to quote him himself in his own words. So the studies that were um, carried out suggested that ADHD symptoms are not correlated in any way to IQ, right? So it's almost certain, though, that people with ADHD nervous systems use their IQs in different ways to neurotypical people. Okay, so by the time most people with the condition reach high school, they're able to tackle problems that frustrate everybody else and they can often jump to solutions that nobody else can see so this is very interesting that's kind of a superpower right so there's one nil i would say for adhd the vast majority of adults also with adhd nervous systems are not really hyperactive overtly now what does overtly mean it means obviously to look at right they're not bouncing around but they are hyperactive internally and i hold my hand up here my brain it can just keep work, 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 okay? Um, which, when you're able to hyper-focus, which can be frustrating to get into, but when you can, it means you can sit and focus and keep going at a project far longer than anybody else. Usually, it's like being the ever-ready bunny. Now, if you're in Britain listening to this, you'll know what I mean by that. Ever-ready are a type of battery um, that you can purchase to put in remote controls and cameras and I don't know, toy cars. Um, the Ever Ready Bunny, okay, was the um, the little wind-up toy that they put the batteries in for the TV advertisement. And that Ever Ready Bunny was still running around banging, I think, a big drum while all the other wind-up toys with other batteries in them had failed and had stopped working. So the battery allows you to focus for long periods of time. The downside, though, is that you can burn yourself out. Um, it can too much of that and you can't then get out of hyper focus and then this is a this is exhausting. So it's really important that we know how to manage that and you can help 
um, a loved one if they are struggling with that to break out of hyperfocus. If you're on your own, like I am, it's hard because there's nobody here to tap me on the shoulder and say, stop, you know? Um, so I can just keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going until I've overdone it. And then you kind of make yourself a bit sick with it <laughs> to literally take you to bed. So um, it's about trying to balance it. Now, when we look at it, um, it's not about a shortage of attention. OK, but basically that you pay too much attention to everything. OK, so um, if you are somebody who is just running ADHD and you're not on any kind of medication or you know, um, taking anything for this, usually you'll have several things, four, five, six things going on in your mind at once. Um, and that is the thing. And of course, that can give you some fantastic things. I mean, look at, you know, from, from my point of view, I'm, I'm developing so many different things and have in the past. And, you know, when I look at it, um, they're all on the go at the same time. That can be a challenge. Um, but it can also mean that, you know, you've got five or six things that you're trying to lift off the ground, whereas most people are just trying to lift one. I would say that, frankly speaking, it's probably better just to lift one and get that up and running, then do the next one, to be honest, because it's a better use of your time. The other side to it, though, is that, look, if one of those things isn't going to work out, you've at least got four other options in this case that might work out better. So you haven't just uh, thrown your time into one sinkhole. That's basically not a good thing. A sinkhole means you're never coming out of there again. Um, you haven't wasted everything. Okay, so it can be a, a, a pro or a con, I would say. But of course, the thing is, is the hallmark of ADHD nervous systems is not a lack of attention, but more inconsistent attention. So it can be hard sometimes if you're not in high focus um, to stay focused for long enough. And that can be really frustrating. I know what that feels like. So, for example, I love coaching. Um, and when I used to coach, when I had the energy and the health to do so, I mean, I could coach for 13 hours nonstop. I mean, that wasn't healthy, I think. Um, and again, I made myself quite ill physically with that. But that feeling that you are doing what you love, you can absolutely focus. So there's no inconsistency in attention. And if anything, you get supercharged, which is why uh, back in the days, my clients and students, the testimonials were like, wow, I've never had a coaching session like it. And I used to think, well, I'm not doing anything remarkable. But when you compare yourself to other coaches, you see, actually, yes, it is different. And this is the experience that people were loving, which is why, you know, I got um, as many testimonials as I did. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so proud of my students and your efforts and also for your lovely feedback, which helped keep me going. So we kind of motivated each other. Um but yeah, if you're not doing something that you really um, love or whatever, then that inconsistent attention can be hard. And trying to get into new projects can also be difficult. It's the equivalent of like trying to break through a piece of, you know, concrete. Um, whereas most neurotypical people just think, well, OK, I don't really like the subject. But I'm just going to get through with it. Uh, people with ADHD or similar traits can find it hard. They're like staring at it, but they just can't find a way into it. And um, for me, when I face those situations, I try and try and try. Eventually, I find a way to get into it and then I can't get out of it. Then I'm hyper-focusing. So it's just kind of frustrating. It's the equivalent of like, you know, when you're trying to get to sleep and you just can't for the life of you get into that relaxed, sleepy state, right? So you're always fighting to get underneath sleep and to get into deep sleep. But if you finally get into deep sleep, then you just want to sleep forever. 
it's a bit like that. That's the best way I can give you an analogy. And it is frustrating because, of course, what it means is that you can spend quite a long time trying to get into, get started with something. But it isn't anything to do with being laziness or not being interested. It's frustrating, to say the least. Um, the best thing I can suggest there, by the way, a top tip is just to get up and do something else. Like they say, when you're trying to go to sleep, if you haven't managed to fall asleep within the first 20 to 30 minutes of laying in bed, get up, go do something else, reset the clock, and then try again, come back to it. Same with this. Um, that's what I recommend. Best thing I can suggest is do something that raises your dopamine. So anything you enjoy doing. So if you love walking, hiking, running, swimming, listening to music, dancing, playing a PlayStation game, if you're lucky enough to have one of those, um, drawing, um, exercising, whatever it is, do something to raise your dopamine because that is the one thing that ADHD people lack is a, not enough dopamine. And so when we do stuff to raise the dopamine, it helps literally the brain focus so you can get in and underneath the problem. Um, so this is what I definitely recommend you do and just keep trying, okay? Um, now, it's frustrating um, because when you get in the zone, and as I say, you can get in the zone maybe a couple of times a day, then there are no impairments at all. The executive function deficits, that's kind of the processing that you may have had before entering the zone, disappear. And that is the thing, right? Um, mostly you'll know that you're bright or clever. So if you have ADHD or if it's a child who has ADHD, you'll know they're really clever, all right? And you'll know that you're smart, but you never know for sure when your abilities will be there and you know, show up when you need them to. You can't just easily switch it on and off. This is the frustrating thing. Um, and, you know, for me, um, I think, as I say, if you love what you do, then that I can guarantee. That I can guarantee. But other things, if there isn't that passion, because remember, the loving and enjoyment raises the dopamine, right? So this is why I say with ADHD, I say even if you don't have ADHD, do what you love. It's really important, though, if you've got ADHD, because otherwise you are probably, I'm not saying definitely, but probably more than likely going to struggle um, with doing a regular type of job where, you know, sometimes you're just having to go and do it um, because it will be very hard for you to get in and through, as you say, to that focus zone, right? Okay. So it can be frustrating and mystifying how sometimes, you know, the impairments can come and go throughout the day. How come that you can start off not knowing what you wanted to do for most of the day and trying to get into it. And then suddenly, just when you're about to ready to go to bed, suddenly it lights up. Your brain's there, like I get that. And then you spend all night and early hours of the morning until six in the morning working on it. When you can finally, eventually <laughs> manage to focus, you want to take it while you can. It is frustrating to say the least. To other people, it's frustrating too. If you're a boss and you're working with someone with ADHD, you might think this person's lazy or incompetent or whatever, or they might appear to, to leave things to the last minute. That isn't this person at all. That is being unfairly judgmental of them. Um, I would highly recommend you educate yourself about ADHD and know that you've probably got a really smart employee who can be a great asset and boon, yeah, B-O-O-N, boon to the company if you can help them embrace and use their skills in the right way. Our jobs as employers um, or mentors is to try to help people to use their skills in their best way possible, okay? Not to judge them or denigrate them or write them off. And certainly it's very old-fashioned thinking now to expect your employees to behave as you do. Um, you may have certain rules and standards in your company, of course, I'm not saying not, um, in what you expect, but everybody has their own way of doing things. 
So do not micromanage. Um, and if you are someone with ADHD and you are being micromanaged, I feel for you because it's just so frustrating. Um, and if, if they would just get out of your way, you could do the job exceptionally well, right? Um, they just don't understand how you need to do it. And vice versa, it's up to you to try and educate them. But of course, if you're working with a toxic boss, as I've had in the past, um, no, no amount no amount of education is going to work there. You're just going to, it's like speaking to a brick wall. In fact, I'd have had a better conversation with a brick wall for trying to, you know, appeal to a sense of, um, yeah, like, hello. <laughs> it's just, no, forget it. I'm not even going to go there. It was hell. It was hell. Um, and, and unfortunately, there was a lot, uh, lot linked. That that uh, that particular company um, was a main company that I was working for, and was the, the primary focus of a lot of my uh, my working life. So um, yeah, to say the least, it was very challenging to be blocked in such a way, and just it's so frustrating. It really is, and that can make your other conditions hard, including any mental health conditions. It can really have a damaging effect. So if you're working with a toxic boss, um, or you know you're in that situation perhaps you need to look at yeah sadly getting out um also as i mentioned earlier people with adhd mostly get in the zone by being interested in or intrigued by what they're doing so it's what we call an interest-based nervous system so there's nothing wrong with having this at all in fact it can be an absolute asset right but um judgmental friends and family look at this as being rather unreliable and self-serving right okay because friends will say like yo you do all the things you like all right, you can do the things you like. They're describing part of that ADHD nervous system. Um, it may seem that way, but it isn't self-serving and it isn't self-centered. It's just that this is only the stuff that this person can do. But you see, if you, I have a colleague who says this at times um, and um, about herself, and she says, look, you know, I, I, if I don't love it, if I'm not, I'll just lose interest. I just won't do it. And at first it sounds like, it's almost like a threat, isn't it? It's like, if I'm not enjoying that, I'll just, I'll just stop doing it. I just lose interest. I just give up. But, and, you know, I got to understand also that English is a second language here. So perhaps it's being expressed in a different way. But what I'm trying to say, she's trying to say, look, don't ask me to do the stuff that I don't love because I'm just going to make a mess of that. And it's not doing it on purpose. It's just her being really honest. Right now, you've got a choice if you're working with a business partner or an employee like that, or if you're the employee, you either find okay, how can I use this person's assets in the best way, their abilities, and give the other stuff to other people to do, or you just get really frustrated all the time with them because this is a never ending cycle that's going to happen. They've already told you what's going on, so it's up to us to also be able to work within that system as well as them. Um, so when we get in the zone, if you're challenged or thrown into a competitive environment, all right, um, short, novel, new tasks attract attention. The novelty is short-lived, though, and everything gets old after a while. This is the problem, and I totally feel that. And this is why I believe that many entrepreneurs have ADHD, okay? Because the necessity of an entrepreneur is always having new things and new projects, but it comes with a big butt here. If you're on your own as a sole trader, this is a problem because you've got to then be able to see it through, right? So as an entrepreneur, you're better if you can outsource parts of this work to other people. So you can come up with the great ideas and the initiative and get it up and running, but then you're going to get bored of it. So you need to find another team member to hand it on to, okay? And allow them to carry on, carry on the work that you started. 
Um, this is, again, what, you know, I tried to do when I was in the former company I was mentioning to you. Um, you know, doing the day-to-day -day stuff would just be, no, there's just nothing happening there at all. But the ideas and the projects and launching them, absolutely some fantastic ideas. The problem is, is if you're challenged by the other director or the, you know, another employee or boss that's getting in the way there, it's going to block it and nothing can get off the ground. And then it gets really frustrating. Um, and you can, of course, look like you just don't bother this. Like, why are you not doing the day-to-day -day work? It's like, but again, if people cannot understand how the brain is working here, it will look that way, but that is not what's going on at all. And in fact, it's their loss because all of these new ideas could have been a great asset to the company. Okay, some might have bombed, but some would have taken off. Um, and as I say, that's just how this one goes, really. Um, so it's very important for you that you try to do a job that, there's some novelty there, um, but also that there's an environment where you can pass on the work to other team members who are quite happy to do the day-to-day -day grind with it as well. Okay. Um, also, most people with ADHD engage in tasks and can access abilities when the task is urgent. All right. It's like the do or die. So you'll see a lot of procrastination. Um, it's almost universal <laughs> with people with ADHD. Um, they'll want to get their work done, but they can't get started until the task becomes either interesting, challenging, or urgent, or preferably all three. And I can hold my hands up to this in some ways. Um, I don't think I procrastinate as such, which is interesting, um, but that's probably because a lot of the work that I do, or did certainly in the past when I was able to work, you know, fully, um, was challenging and interesting, right? So that kind of kept me going so i suppose i never felt the need to procrastinate or never procrastinated because i always loved what i was doing if i wasn't i suppose then yeah the stuff that you might not love doing you you'd probably wait to the last minute but fortunately um i always tried to to find a way um to keep doing stuff that was interesting or find some challenging aspects about it now if we look at it these are all great strengths, right? Okay, these are all good things for you to know about yourself. So let's just talk about what that means for you. So really, um, the 90% of non-ADHD people in the world, neurotypical people, okay, are not normal or better, all right? It's just, it's more accepted and endorsed by the world. They're neurology, the way they think, okay? So neurotypical people use three different factors to decide what to do, how to get started on it, and to stick with it until it's completed according to this medical so the concept of importance they think they should get it done and then secondly the concept of secondary importance they're motivated by the fact that you know teacher the boss whoever they respect thinks the task is important to tackle and to complete and three the concept of rewards for doing a task and consequence of punishment or not doing it that you know they, they weigh those up now a person with ADHD nervous system has not ever been able to use the idea of importance or rewards to start and do a task right they know what's important they like rewards they certainly don't like punishment but for people like ourselves the things that motivate the rest of the world are merely just knacks right these are just like oh my goodness these are just like really do what we have you know so it's seen differently and this is why i say come back to entrepreneurs business people like myself and other people this is why you won't find most people with adhd doing very well just working as an employee of a company all right. It's better to be your own boss and to be able to do your own thing because of this very different way of thinking. 
But this very different way of thinking can create fantastic businesses. You know, look at pop stars like, you know, Adam Levine from Maroon 5. Um, if we look at um, Richard Branson, so Richard Branson, okay, he's a multi-billionaire people, right? Okay, so used in the right way, absolutely can achieve fantastic things. And they do it because they don't think like the rest of the world, period. Okay, that's what changes the world. So, but again, you've got to be in the right supportive environment. Um, now, let's look at it. So the, inability, the inability to use importance and rewards as motivators has a huge impact on the lives of people with ADHD, okay? Because you can't, how can you choose between multiple options if you can't use concepts of importance and financial rewards for motivation? You're just kind of lost. This is why sometimes you can look like you're going around in a bit of a blur and drifting along, as some people might say. Also, how can you make major life decisions if the concepts of importance and rewards are neither helpful in making the decision nor motivating them to do what they choose? So this kind of explains why some of the cognitive and behavioral therapies that have been used in the past to try and help manage ADHD um, kind of don't have a lasting benefit. All right because it views ADHD as having something like a defective or deficit-based nervous system. However, this medical doctor, he says he sees ADHD stemming from a nervous system that works perfectly well with its own set of rules, okay? And you've got to understand those rules. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work by any of the rules or techniques taught and encouraged in the neurotypical world. So that's why students with ADHD do not fit into the standard schooling system, which is built on repeating what everyone else thinks is important and relevant. Um, adults with ADHD do not flourish in a standard job that pays people to work on what someone such as the boss thinks is important. Okay, People with ADHD are, di are disorganized because, you know, just about every organizational system out there is built on two things, prioritization, time management. and we don't do that very well, okay? So it, it, we work differently. Also, we have a hard time choosing alternatives because everything has the same lack of importance. To us, all of the alternatives look the same. I mean, I remember once working somewhere when I was very young, and um, I was asked to highlight like key parts of the training that we were doing. I couldn't work out what were the important... I ended up highlighting everything in the end, which then defeat the whole point of highlighting anything because the whole page was just highlighted, right? <laughs> that gives an example of that type of brain in action, right? Okay, because either everything is relevant, it's all focused or nothing is relevant. It's very black and white in that respect. So you've just got to understand how your brain works to get the best out of it. Now, people with ADHD know this, and if they get engaged with the task, they can absolutely do it. So far from being damaged goods, as this medic sums up, people with ADHD nervous systems are bright and clever. The main problem is that we were given a neurotypical owner's manual at birth. It works for everybody else, just not for us. Okay, so the, the key is don't turn us into neurotypicals. It's to embrace us as we are, not who the world wants us to be. And this comes down to diversity inclusion. And I believe some countries are doing better with that than others. It's something that I'm passionate about, which again might float my, my mind at some point and get me fired up again. You never know. And speak out more about that as well. But it's really important, really important that we understand that it's not about changing people to fit into a world structure. It's about understanding and embracing that change. If you found this helpful, I'm going to carry on another podcast on this about how not to turn us into neurotypicals and to carry on talking about this doctor's work, because I think it's really important. Remember this, if you're someone struggling with ADHD today, 
I hope this podcast is giving you a totally like, yes, that's me moment, all right? Finally, somebody speaking about the stuff that I feel challenged by. It's not your fault. You're the 10% out of the 90%. And the 90% listening, hello, it's not your fault either, right? We just have very different brain operating systems, but there's room for all of us in this crazy mixed up world as long as the world keeps turning and we're all still breathing and living on planet Earth. So let's try to understand each other better. It's not about saying them and us. It's about how we can all work better together. But of course, that requires communication. And I hope if nothing else in this podcast, it's giving you some lovely advanced vocab words, right, to use. Uh, listen to the linking structures I used as well and try to practice them yourself. And if you've been affected by this podcast and you want to message into me, please do, okay? Remember, um, I coach a lot of people who have um, various challenges. Um, and so if you have been struggling in the past or, or having problems with your career direction or your focus and you'd like some coaching in that respect, not necessarily English as a second language, then do get in touch with me. The details are all down below how you can reach me. Spread the podcast far and wide. Do you know somebody else who's also a neurotypical person? Okay. And let them know about the podcast because the more people we can help and share, the better hopefully the world could be. Take care, stay safe and I'll see you soon. Sorry to jump in at the end of your podcast, but I wanted to say a big thank you for listening. And if you love the podcast and would like to help me keep them free, do consider sponsoring me. You can subscribe for as little as 99 cents a month to sponsor a segment. Or if you want to do something as a one-off, you can click the link again in the show notes and buy me a coffee. It's a great way to help me spread this word as far and wide as possible to people like yourself who perhaps can't afford to get high-level coaching but need to access this information all the same i really appreciate your help and a big thank you for doing so also if you are somebody looking to get into coaching maybe you're an english coach or perhaps you are another professional maybe you're a life coach or you might be a mental health counselor basically anybody who is in a caring or supportive profession or maybe you you coach people in different academic subjects I'd like to feature your podcast on my show and give you a chance to reach my audience. Yes, totally free of charge. All you have to do is follow the links down below in the show notes to find out how you can connect with me and send me your files. I will upload them to the show and you can basically reach my audience and build your own business. There are no catches at all. I'm simply here to offer my platform to help as many other professionals in a related field as myself to reach as many students as we can. And together, I believe we can do a lot better. Thank you for listening again. See you soon.